Have you ever wondered why the Carolina Hurricanes have a pig as a mascot? Why would a team named after a natural disaster create a symbolic symbol based around a barn yard animal? Let's go back to when Peter Kamanos announced the team would be leaving Hartford in May of 1997. Welcome to Home Ice Advantage. My name is, of course, Colin, and this week, as promised, we will be covering The Ballot of Storby. It's a really good story, so buckle in. And please, before the show starts, I don't know, share this with your friends, tweet it to them, text it to them, you know, however you feel it necessary. But let's get into the show. Kamanos had called a press conference to start at noon. It was time to make what was long expected public. The Whalers were leaving Hartford. To our loyal fans and to the corporate community who worked so very hard on this, we want to say how deeply sorry we are that things are working out this way. We wish it could be otherwise. The writing had been on the wall for months. This just sealed the deal. The Carolina Hurricanes were coming to Raleigh. There would be a two-year pit stop in Greensboro while waiting for a new arena to be built. But Jim Rutherford, the minority owner and general manager, and Peter Kamanos would have only 140 days to set up their new team. Somewhere in that timeline, a yet unnamed mascot enters the picture. The only thing known about the mascot is that it would be an anthropomorphic ice hawk. We had an opportunity to be unique, and that's what we're going to do. Those are the words of Rick Francis, the team's then-marketing director. Rutherford added on, I don't think people come to games looking for a mascot that represents the team's nickname. What would the Red Wings do, or the Maple Leafs? Now we return to the original question. Why is the Carolina Hurricanes mascot a hog? Well, simple politics. When Gale Force Holdings, the company that owns the Carolina Hurricanes, originally negotiated their deal with the Centennial Authority, they agreed to give NC State the naming rights to their shared home. Rights that the university had actually already sold back in 1992 to Wendell Morphy. Morphy was an NC State alum who had served in both chambers of the North Carolina General Assembly. While serving in the State Senate in 1987, Morphy would sponsor the bill that gave NC State the initial funding of $1.5 million to begin the planning process for the new basketball arena just across the street from Carter-Finley Stadium. This story about pig farming wouldn't be complete if we didn't tell you about one particular pig farmer. But he is no ordinary farmer. He is the country's and perhaps the world's most successful pig farmer. Last year, his farms alone sent more than two million pigs to market. That's more pork than many states produce. So who is this extraordinary pig farmer? Well, he is the man who got North Carolina going hog wild. He is Wendell Murphy. Did I mention that Murphy had made hundreds of millions of dollars from the hogging industry? He was also a sitting member of the Centennial Authority. Morphy would appear in Forbes magazine that year with a reported wealth around $1 billion. Morphy was a leader in the state's hogging industry, forming Morphy Farms with his father in the mid-1960s. Newer and or younger residents won't know this, or I guess remember, but at the time you didn't want to be connected with the hogging industry in North Carolina. Two years prior, 1995, 25 million gallons of, let's say, wastewater spilt into the Noose River, and while this wasn't the only scandal in, for North Carolina hogging, nor is it the most recent, it was what was on the top of people's minds at that time. The debate had actually been going on in state politics 
long before this, and it continued long after. Bill Holman, an environmental lobbyist from Raleigh, had this to say about Morphe in 1997 to the Triangle Business Journal. It's our belief that Morphe family farms and others in the hogging industry haven't put enough resources into order and water quality problems. At this point, the state had already started limiting the growth of hog farming, and the debate would rage on again to this day. There was another complaint leveled at Morphe. This one being more relevant to the newly relocated organization. So Morphe reportedly agreed to give NC State $10 million for the naming rights for what would become the Raleigh Entertainment and Sports Arena. The following quote was from a WRAL article published in August of 1999. A lot of people complain about the price tag of the arena. There was no doubt that a corporate sponsor could have covered some costs. Recently, American Airlines paid $195 million for the arena in Dallas. Phillips Electrics wrote a $168 million check for the rights to an arena in Atlanta. The implication was that Morphe shortchanged the school to have the arena named after himself. WRAL reported at the time that the Hurricanes even owned their domain for MorpheArena.com and MorpheCenter.com, neither of which are owned today. The naming rights became a scuffle between the Hurricanes and NC State, one of many throughout their history together. It wasn't until February 7, 2000 that they would come to terms. As always, it came down to money. NC State would receive $10 million over the first 10 years of any naming rights deals, plus interest. After that, they would receive a percentage of the net proceeds from any agreement. Both Wake County and the City of Raleigh would also receive a percentage of proceeds. Morphe's money would now be used to upgrade Carter-Finley Stadium. The simple answer is, a hog was chosen to show respect to a state politician and businessman. A businessman the Hurricanes wanted something from. It was decided that the mascot would be unveiled at a Hurricanes preseason game in Greensboro. September 24th, 1997, the Carolina Hurricanes would take on the Detroit Red Wings. The marketing team made sure to promise that children would love the mascot. To be clear, they won it, but we'll get to that. The following is the first paragraph of a News and Observer article discussing the news. The Carolina Hurricanes' name doesn't easily translate into a mascot. Really, what can they use? An umbrella? Greg Fischel? A guy who walks through the crowd? hoses you down, then follows you home and knocks down your house. How about a pig? The time had finally come, and the organization pulled out all the stops. A hog collar stood in the corner of the ice. A mascot was hidden inside of the Zamboni. The plan was simple. The announcer would introduce the mascot, the Zamboni would open up, and the team would announce the naming competition for its new lovable mascot. The team even put dried ice in the Zamboni to create the illusion of smoke. Surely, nothing could go wrong. This wasn't an original idea. San Jose had done something similar years early when introducing their mascot, Sharky. In fact, they had performed the stunt four or five times by this point. It was showtime. The Coliseum's lights came down. David Bowie's Space Oddity began to play, and the spotlight went to the corner of the ice. The hog caller began to tell a brief history of hog farming in North Carolina. After the brief propaganda, the caller returned to, well, 
Hawk calling. So we. The bright red Zamboni drove to center ice. Now in the spotlight. It opened up the storage chamber where shaved ice would normally be. For over a minute, the Coliseum's public address announcer continued to introduce the mascot. But something was wrong. Unknown to most, some fans could see shaking feet. After a beat, the Zamboni operator, Scott Honeycutt, stepped down and walked to the front, checking on 32-year-old Phil Madrin. He was having a seizure. Honeycutt quickly returned to his seat while getting the attention of medical personnel and backing off the ice. Thinking on his feet, the public address announcer said this was just a sneak peek of what was to come. And they played the game. Very few people knew what was happening. The Coliseum's EMTs moved fast, removing the mascot from the Zamboni and placing him on a stretcher, then rushing him to a local hospital. Coliseum staff went to Section 107, where Mary, Phil's mother, was sitting. She was waiting for her son to make his appearance. She was asked to come to a restricted area of the building and told the news. I'm not sure everyone realized the seriousness of this at the time. There were people laughing at the whole thing, Mary later said to Raleigh's News and Observer. Members of the 7,076 fans in the building, Hurricanes players, coaches, and staff were all seen laughing at the situation. It was assumed that the mascot simply got stuck when trying to exit the storage chamber. After the game, Paul Maurice, the Hurricanes head coach, said, This is not a laughing matter. Phil had been the mascot for the Greensboro Monarchs for eight seasons. Earlier that day, that Tuesday, he had made an agreement with Jim Laurier, Hurricanes Director of Public Relations, to be the mascot for the inaugural season. It was reported by the Greensboro News and Record that Phil actually returned during the third period to let everyone know he was okay. He's a human being, not a mascot. We have to worry about him being okay before we can worry about a mascot, Laurier said to the News and Observer. It had been falsely reported that Phil had a history of seizures. It's believed that this stems from the incoherent mascot seemingly affirming this fact to EMTs that were trying to save his life. Phil did not know where he was or who his mother was. For the guy to be that oxygen-starved to the point where he doesn't know who his mother is, that's pretty bad. Those are the words of James Madrin, Phil's brother, to the News and Observer the day after the incident. Afterwards, Phil and his family didn't blame the team. Phil had this to say. I was begging to go back out. I had to show the costume off. I had to get the hog on the ice. Phil finished the season as Stormy. He is still cheering on the Hurricanes from his home in Reedsville, North Carolina, just 30 minutes away from Greensboro. Needless to say, this is not how the Carolina Hurricanes wanted to introduce their mascot. At least they won the meaningless game, and Phil was safe. The introduction of the mascot would be pushed back until October. They also still needed to find a name. Six NHL teams have had naming competitions for their team name. The Buffalo Sabres, Los Angeles Kings, Philadelphia Flyers, San Jose Sharks, and Nashville Predators. Jack Kuki decided to scrap the competition and go with the Kings because the color schemes would match with the LA Lakers, which he also owned. Predators fans got to vote for four names, Fory, Attack, Ice Tigers, and Predators. 
clearly they made the right choice. Flyers was suggested by team owner Ed Snyder's sister. Not really in the spirit of a fan competition, but whatever. San Jose's winner, after more than 5,000 fan cast votes, was the Blades. But George Gunn III, the founding owner of the club, didn't want the team associated with gang violence, so he decided the runner-up Sharks would be used instead. When it came to the Hurricanes, Carmanos chose the name himself. Hurricanes was chosen because how frequently the weather event would bear down on the North Carolina coast. As expected, not everyone loved the idea. Gladys Binton from Raleigh called into the News and Observer City Line and shared her thoughts. I feel that the Carolina Hurricanes is a poor choice of name. We wouldn't call them the Carolina Hogs, would we? Destructive storms and pig farms are not among North Carolina's attractive features. Something tells me Gladys was upset a few months later when the mascot was announced and then its name was chosen. I think the Hurricanes is a pretty stupid name. I'm sick of hearing about Hurricanes. Said Brian Scooch from Rocky Mount. To be clear, it wasn't all negative. I think the name is appropriate. I really like the Carolina part only because it's something that can be identified with North Carolina as a whole, instead of the Raleigh Hurricanes. The Carolina Hurricanes is perfect, and I don't know of any other name that could have been better, said Darren Brumel from Garner. In a move to create good faith between the club and its potential fans, the organization announced they would hold a naming competition. The News and Observer would host the competition, and an ad in the October 17th issue of the paper gave all the information you would need. The deadline was October 20th at noon. Entries could be sent through the newsandobserver.com, calling into CityLine, faxing the Hurricanes front office, or you could mail your submission directly to the Hurricanes office at this point in Morrisville, North Carolina. The winner would be notified by phone and receive four tickets to a game against the St. Louis Blues on October 22nd, a photograph with the mascot, an autographed hockey stick, a free Hurricanes hat and short, and would be recognized in an on-ice ceremony. The gimmick appeared to be working. Buzz around town was definitely being generated. 8.50 a.m. The Buzz, a local Raleigh radio station, took calls regarding a possible name. And yes, that pun was intended. They were mainly joking. A Pig on Skates and Tanya Harding were both suggested, but this was an all-publicity-is-good-publicity type situation. I was also able to find reports of a serious campaign for Hamboni, H-A-M-B-O-N-I. Other names like Shake and Bacon and Piggly Wiggly came up a lot in my research. A News and Observer article from October 23rd stated Stormy was an overwhelming choice in an online poll. I was unable to find any evidence or mention of this poll in any other article, but the News and Observer has been my best source, so uh, I'll give it to them. Prior to Puck Drop against the Blues, the official announcement was made. Stormy was born. Ladies and gentlemen, here he comes. Let's welcome to the ice, Stormy! Well, his official birth date is actually October 10th, 1997, the night the Hurricanes got their first win. But I like to turn a phrase, so we're going to go with it. Most fans might only see him banging on the glass behind the net, but Stormy's a busy hog. Not only is he at every Hurricanes game and team-sponsored event, he travels around the state as an ambassador for the team. You can run into him at a birthday party, a school fundraiser, random walkathons, supporting other local sports teams, or even at your wedding. Stormy is now a part of a cast of characters. While Stormy is the main staple and will be seen at every game, 
you can also catch his, quote, good friend, Caroline, who is the female Ice Hog. And of course, when the Hurricanes brought back Railers Night in 2019, they also reintroduced the fandom to Pucky. If you take the time, you can find clips of Stormy doing almost anything. Propelling from the rafters of PNC, fighting the New Jersey Devil at Sonar Ice, participating in storm surges after games, running marathons, which I don't understand how you ask someone to do that in a mascot costume, but not my point. For all the controversy that Stormy had in the past regarding his name or his species, how he was introduced, all of that has been forgotten over the past 25 years, and Stormy has just become part of the fandom. And at the end of the day, I'm just here to have fun with my Icehawk. And while I have found no direct crid pro crow on making the mascot a hog for the naming rights, if that is what happened, I'm fine with it. Because here we sit 25 years later, I had never heard of Morphe before I started doing this research, and I've been a fan my entire life. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Home Ice Advantage. I put a lot of work into it, so I would really appreciate it if you share it. Maybe rate it? I don't know. Uh, But also check out our Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Two of those are new. One of them is not. And we also have merchandise, which would be really cool, because this took a full work week for me to assemble this short little podcast. Thank you again for listening. Say lovey. Stormy, you're going to get hurt. Judges, what's the call on that? Stormy, you're out, buddy. Come on.